Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving edition. But just because we're in a holiday week doesn't mean we don't have big news for you. We're very, very fortunate to welcome to the show today the great legal mind, the great legal professor and lawyer and appellate lawyer, Alan Dershowitz. He's here to join us today. We're going to talk about all the things going on in the judicial system whether it's the uh, FBI and all the problems that we know from Russia collusion forward, the warning last week that we had at Just the News about political bias still seeping into the Justice Department and the FBI, or the Rittenhouse verdict, or so many other cases that have captured our fancy over the last few months. And then we're going to have another fun guest coming up today. Joining us is Craig Piper. You know him as one of the great reporters here at Just the News, and he has a new story out of the University of Illinois, Chicago, that's going to make your head scratch. Yes, you're going to say, what is going on on these college campuses? A new example of First Amendment censorship, of harassment of a professor by his student body. A really important story. We're going to bring you up to speed on that as well. And as a larger question of what is going on in campuses, is there any cure for cancel culture on college campuses? A great question. Doubleheader today, two big guests, Alan Dershowitz and then my good friend and colleague here at Just the News, Greg Piper. We're going to have lots of news. Now, before we do that, we broke a big story last night. It is resonating all across the country. You may have heard about it already. You may not have. So I'm going to give you a quick update. This involves, yes, the January 6th commission chaired by Mississippi Democrat, Benny Thompson, really run by the guy we all know from Russia, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff's really the guy behind the scenes running this. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you may recall, they dropped some subpoenas on people who were advisors or friends of Donald Trump. One of them was the former NYPD commissioner, Bernie Carrick, who we've had on this show many, many times. And it was an unusual subpoena because normally subpoenas are designed 
to request information. But Benny Thompson and his team decided to use this subpoena to make an accusation. Very unusual, not neutral fact finding, but accusation finding. They alleged that they had good evidence, reliable evidence to say that Bernie Carrick attended a secret meeting on January 5th, the day before the Capitol riots, at the Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C., where several people, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Steve Bannon, allegedly met to plot how to overthrow the election. January 5th. Well, there's a little problem with that scenario. Well, let me first, let me tell you why they said they had reliable evidence. They said the great journalist, my former colleague at the Washington Post, Bob Woodward, documented it in his new book. So they make an accusation and they attribute it to Bob Woodward. There's just two problems. Bernie Carrick wasn't in Washington, D.C. He was not at the Willard on January 5th. We know this because we tracked his toll booth reader. He leaves Washington, D.C. the night of the 4th. He doesn't come back to the wee hours of the morning of January 6th. He could not have attended in person a meeting at the Willard Hotel, like was alleged in the subpoena. But I got a better one. We called Bob Woodward, and we went through the entire book. There is no citation in the book saying Bernie Carrick attended a January 5th meeting with Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, and others. In fact, Bernie Carrick isn't even mentioned in Bob Woodward's book. This entire narrative was contrived by the Democrats working for Benny Thompson and Adam Schiff. Does this sound familiar? Russia collusion, version 10, 9, I don't know what we're on. A huge blunder, a complete misattribution. And we were able to talk to Bob Woodward himself, and here is what he said. The subpoena for Mr. Carrick references page 234 of our book, Peril. That page, however, does not mention Mr. Carrick in any way. In fact, he's not mentioned anywhere in our book, just like we found. A false attribution, a false allegation in what should have been a neutral fact-finding exercise. Once again, Congress and congressional oversight folks, just like they did in Ukraine, just like they did on Russia collusion, They have blown the trust of the American public. They made a false allegation. And as of this hour, as we're recording this podcast, they have not, I repeat, they have not retracted it. Well, we put this together here at Just the News. You can check out that story. The headline's a fun one. Bob Woodward and Tollbooth Records undercut January 6th panel claim that Bernie Carrick attended secret DC meeting. False allegation, false attribution, major blunder, We call this the Benny Thompson boomerang. This is not the first mistake that this committee has made. And let me bring out something else that's more important. This pattern of false and faking evidence, faking stories, faking narratives. Remember the impeachment trial back in January where just the news broke the story that a tweet being used by one of the congressmen on the Democratic impeachment managers had been doctored, changed, altered just like the document the FBI altered in the Russia collusion case, Kevin Kleinsmith, altering documents, misattributing information, making false allegations. There ought to be recrimination. There ought to be consequence. There ought to be punishment for this level of bad behavior in Washington. Unfortunately, it goes on because the mainstream media is too chicken to call it out. Now, bravo for Bob Woodward to confirm on the record what our reporting showed. I'm very grateful that he took the time to research this along with me and we get the story right. But where is the rest of the media? Quite frankly, where are the rest of the Republicans on Capitol Hill? They should be raising, holy heck, 
The Democrats always do when they see a mistake by a Republican chairman, a Republican investigation. Where are the Republicans in the House? Those are questions for you. The answer not for me. I'm just a reporter. But the story's up. Check it out. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, our exclusive interview with Alan Dershowitz, followed by a really fun conversation with one of my great colleagues here at Justin News, Greg Piper. You're going to want to be dialed in for both. News is going to break on both interviews. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, one of the greatest legal minds of our generation. Uh, You know him from his work at Harvard. You've seen him on television. He's written many great books, including a brand new book called The Case for Vaccine Mandates. Joining me right now is Professor Alan Dershowitz. Alan, great to have you back on the show. Hey, it's wonderful to be on with you. You are a terrific force for good justice and truth. Oh, thank you. You're making this Irishman blush. How about that? (laughs) Um, Listen, I want to um, step back. We've had some really dramatic moments in the legal world, I would say, over the last six months. Uh, The Rittenhouse trial, uh, the the raids on places like James O'Keefe. When you look at the Justice Department right now and the justice system, whether local prosecutors up, do you see a change? Is our justice system changing right now? It is. It's becoming much more responsive, uh, unfortunately, to uh, critical race theory, basically. Everything's about race. Everything's about race or politics. Right. Um, the justice system has stopped being about 
is this particular person innocent or guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, based on the evidence and based on the law? People today are rooting, cheering for verdicts. They want verdicts to reflect their narrative. They want verdicts to prove their way of looking at the world. Trials and justice have ceased to be about uh, individual justice. They're about identity politics. Wow, that is an amazing thing to think. But you're right, you can really look back at this last year and so much of it is wrapped up into that identity politics. When you looked at the Rittenhouse trial, you got the judge, you've got the defense, you've got the prosecution. How did you handicap, beyond first your reaction to the jury verdict and then secondly, each of the three players' roles? What, what did you like and dislike about their roles in that case? Sure, great question. Uh, I predicted it right. Look, I you always did. predict these things right because I never try to let my own biases, my own wish for an outcome, influence my predictions. I'm an expert. I make predictions. I read the MRI. I read the CAT scan. Unlike Jeffrey Tubin, unlike Larry Trump, <laughs> right. who just constantly said, oh, this is going to happen because it should happen, because I want it to happen. But that's not the way legal analysts should be looking at this. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said the role of the lawyer is simply to predict what the judge will do in fact, or what the jury will do in fact. So I predicted uh, the outcome of that case. It was an easy case legally. The government uh, state simply couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a young 17-year-old who probably shouldn't have been there and he shouldn't have had an AR-15, 17-year-old shouldn't have those kinds of right. deadly weapons. But but that, they couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he wasn't in fear of his life when a skateboard was aimed at his head and when a gun was pointed at his chest. And so legally, it was an easy case. You know, morally, we all have the right to make our own decisions and, and come to judgments about whether he should have been there or shouldn't have been there. His defense lawyer, by the way, not only did a great job at trial, but after trial, saying, don't make heroes out of this kid. Right. Don't give him jobs in Congress. Don't give him uh, speaking engagements. He's a kid. He was in a tragic situation. He had no choice. He did what he had to do. He was acquitted. Let him live his life. Yeah, I've, I've really been struck by the way his lawyer has reacted since the verdict because there's that measuredness that we used to see in the court system, in the legal system, that we don't see very often. It's a rarity yeah. now instead of the norm normalcy. Uh, the judge, what do you think of the judge's role in that case? Well, you know, I've been doing this for 55 years. Yep. This judge was no different than other judges. You know, there's the joke that lawyers tell that the angel Gabriel goes to Freud in heaven and says, you have to examine God. He's having delusions of grandeur. He thinks he's a judge. <laughs> and, 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 you know, judges are impossible. I yeah. argue before them all the time. They're absolutely impossible. You know, it was Gilbert and Sullivan who said in the song, they never shall be missed. He included the judicial humorist. <laughs> the judge who thinks that, you know, telling jokes and, yep. and making nice content. No, no. Judges should stick to the law and the facts. They should be boring. You know, in England, they got it right. Every judge has to wear a wig, and you don't differentiate one judge from the other. They're That's just, right. They're just wigged oracles sitting up there trying to apply the law to the fact. We know they're human beings, but we don't need their personalities right. to shine, whether it's Judge Ito or, or the judge in this case. So judges have to be much more discreet. You know, I was offered a judgeship when I was 35 years old. No kidding. I went home, I went at home at night, and I said, I looked in the mirror, and I said, I ain't a judge. I don't have the personality to be a judge. I don't want to be sitting on a bench being, you know, morbid and sincere and handing out judges. I want to be an advocate. I want to let my personality shine through. So, you know, if you want to have a lot of personality, you know, become an actor or do a podcast. Yeah. But don't be a judge. 
Yeah, such good advice. And of the prosecutors, did you think they should have brought the charges from the beginning? What's your assessment of their case? It seems like they were surprised when testimony kept turning against them. <laughs> they were shocked. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know the case. I suspect they were pressured. You know, people forget this fact. This is a most important fact. The United States is the only country in the history of civilized nations, the only country that ever elected prosecutors. Yeah. No other country. That's in amazing. And who are the prosecutors? They want to be senators. They want to be congressmen. They want to be mayors. Yeah, they they want to be governors. Uh, every pod, every lawyer who's in Congress was a prosecutor. You want to hear something really interesting, trivial pursuit. Name the only president in history who ever was a defense attorney. And it wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's right. It was Joe Biden. Right. He was a public defender for about a year, a year and a half. I, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But everybody else was a prosecutor. Abraham Lincoln was generally a civil lawyer. He did some defense. He was a great, great lawyer. Yeah, that's funny, though, that you're right. That's, that's where Joe Biden began. He certainly had some ambition, yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. The First Amendment, you have been warning about it for months, oh, years yeah. now. Really, I think you've been yeah, one of the yeah. most clarion call voices in America. When you see the raid on James O'Keefe, when you see all these other places where the Justice Department either sits silent in the face of censorship or is in some way canceling someone through the powers of prosecution, how concerned are you that the First Amendment is in trouble right now? It is in so much trouble that even the ACLU, the Anti-Civil Liberties Union that used to be the Civil Liberties Union, (laughs) the Civil Liberties Union that defends universities shutting down people and all that, even they got upset about that. My God, there must be something really wrong about it to get the ACLU involved. So that was that was an abomination. We've seen abomination after abomination and curtailing of the First Amendment. But the most interesting development is for the first time in modern history, the First Amendment has been used as a sword to prevent speech instead of as a shield to protect speech it's unreal. by the high-tech companies. Yep. They say we have a right to stop John Solomon, Alan Dershowitz, Donald Trump from being on the Internet if we don't like their speech. And we have that right because of the First Amendment. Imagine Jefferson, Hamilton, and, and Madison sitting around saying, you know, the First Amendment someday may be used to prevent free yes. speech. Oh, my God. No. Let's change it. Let's make sure it can't be used to do Somewhere that. Somewhere up in heaven, they have to be laughing that. pretty hard because uh, we've well, turned all, crying, all of their crying. great or crying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, do you you know, you always have wisdom and, and I know you like to fix things. You always are a person that's trying to get what's done to be right. How do we how do we stop for a moment in America, take a deep breath and say, look, we're done. We're destroying the greatest experiment in in humanity. How what is the what are the pressure points that all of us have to try to put this back into the toothpaste tube if we can or get us back to the way we used to be? Well, I don't know how old you are. I'm 83 years old. I will never live to see a return to the days when we follow Martin Luther King's quest dream. He dreamt of a time when his children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the quality of their character. That's not going to happen. The killings uh, in the past couple of years, particularly the George Floyd, changed the concept of race in America. Everything now is about about grace and and uh, we can't get around it. We can't get around it. You can't talk about race if it hurts certain groups, and you can only talk about race if it helps certain groups. And everything is seen through the concept of race and ideology. Another example, yesterday in Brooklyn, just where I was born, the neighborhood I grew up in, there was a major demonstration against the Rittenhouse case. 
Rittenhouse was hardly mentioned. What was mentioned was Israel, Palestine, Intifada was yeah. being screamed and yelled. You know, it's it's the old notion. If something has gone wrong, the Jews must have something to do with it. Yep. Or Israel must have something to do with it. You know, and it, it all comes together. You can't make up your own mind about any issue. If you're going to be a woke person on the left, you have to be 100% on board on every issue. You have to be anti-Israel. You have to be basically anti-white. And you have to be uh, completely on board with all the woke stuff, some good, some very bad, right. and uh, some intolerable. Yeah, it is a remarkable moment. I got a hold last week of these teaching materials that the Springfield, Missouri teachers were put through. And literally, they, they created this grid of oppression. And if you were white, Lutheran, uh, straight, and um, uh, you were an oppressor, you were, there was nothing you could do to change your role as oppressor for the rest of your life. And then, of course, if you were a minority or gay or uh, other things, that there was, you were automatically going to be oppressed the rest of your life. That's not the American dream. We've always believed in being able to go up. Do you see or do you take heart in some of the things that have happened in the last few months where people are saying, enough is enough, I'm going to sue, I'm going to run, I'm going to do something? Do you think that there are some sparks of hope that we can we can get to some normalcy at, that, at some but point? We have to ignite. We have to use those sparks to ignite a big yeah. flame. Uh, recently in a school in California, posted a job for a theoretical physicist. It hardly mentioned anything about physics. But it talked about where do you stand on diversity? Where do you stand on everything relating to race? And if Albert Einstein had applied to the job, uh, he wouldn't have gotten it because he probably wouldn't have answered the questions. He was liberal leftist personally, but he was also an anti-McCarthyite. So he probably wouldn't have answered the questions and he would have been fired or not hired. Uh, Today, the qualification for jobs has more to do with uh, your attitudes toward race and identity politics than toward the issue on the merits. Uh, You know, I have to tell you, I was on an airplane uh, recently with my whole family, and it was the day of the horrible, horrible storm. And and the plane was bouncing up and down. My whole family was on the plane, my grandchildren. The first thing I wanted to be sure of was that the pilot had been picked on the basis of merit. Yes. Of meritocracy. He knew what he was doing. You know, that he knew what he, he was the per, the best person for the job, but in California today at one of the California colleges, if you say that the best person, most qualified person, should get the job, that's a microaggression. Mm. You cannot say that. I mean, what Martin Luther King today would not be welcomed on college campuses. No, he wouldn't. He'd be I an outlier. Welcome on college campuses. You know, Temple Emmanuel in New York, the largest Reformed temple, the right. Jewish, you know, Vatican, uh, basically has banned me from speaking there. It's amazing. They have prohibited me from speaking. I spoke there for about 10 years in a row. I was the most popular speaker. But now I have been blackballed and blacklisted by Temple Emmanuel. Can you imagine that? I cannot imagine it. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's the latest travesty of just this, ins- you know, cancel culture is the most insane anti-American thing. And I know our enemies, our foreign enemies have to be laughing, saying, this is great. Let's foment it some more. Oh, yeah. Because the more oh, we yeah. fight with each other, the less we have time to focus on them. Well, that's, you know, that's what communism has done. It since is. I was a kid. I was an virulent anti-communist as a kid. My parents hated communism, but I defended the right of communists to speak and teach. You know, we have a right to rebut them. But communists never cared about racial issues in America or equality. They just used them all to try to get a foothold and to try to create this 
disintegration of America. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted with the Trump election, too. They didn't care who nope. got elected president. They just wanted to create disarray. Yeah. And that's what they do. And that's what they do in, for the former Soviet Union. And I think that's what they're doing in China today. And we're playing right into their hands. We are. We're, we're, we're executing their playbook better than uh, they used to execute. It's just insane. Last question, the FBI. You look at the, the, the last 10 years of the FBI, the mistakes in the Russia collusion case, the failure to investigate the Olympian sex abuse case properly, uh, all the different elements of failure that we see every day. Just last week, the inspector general said, hey, they're not following their own rules to prevent political bias from seeping into their cases. Yeah. Are we at a moment where we could actually imagine saying it's time to end the FBI? Let's start a new law enforcement agency. Are we that far gone that that becomes? I hope a, not. Yeah. I hope not. Louis, Louis Free is a right. friend of mine, and he's one of the great, great uh, FBI directors. Absolutely. Uh, he did it right. He was completely neutral and objective. Nobody knew what his politics were. You know, he was a, a, a real mensch, a guy who just always called it the way he saw it and yeah. during his administration. There were no there were no problems. You know, he was appointed first by Clinton, even though technically he was a Republican. Then he was reappointed by a Republican. That's the way it ought to be. We shouldn't go back to J. Edgar Hoover. We shouldn't go back to the Nixon administration. We shouldn't go back to the recent years um, either. And uh, we, we need to reassess. The FBI, but I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's a very good organization, generally. Oh, so many talented people. Yeah. I know a lot of FBI agents. I've had my life threatened a few times, and so the FBI has had to follow me around. Uh, I had two FBI agents who were following me around for about six months. I took them to Celtics games. They came to my <laughs> class. They love the assignment. I bet they did, yeah. They are amazing. And, you know, there's so many things they do a day that we never know about that keep of us course, safe. Of course. And uh, it's just these failures that seem to have defined the agency yeah. in the last few years. And it's the people. top down, not the bottom up. Yeah. The bottom people, the people for the most part who are there every day, people, you know, you walk into the FBI building, you see the list of people who have been shot uh, and killed yep. and injured in the FBI. Incredible you heroes. Have to, these are incredible heroes. And yeah. The FBI, the CIA. You know, I'm a great patriot. You can be a critical patriot. You can be you critical of things, but you have to love America. America, you know, your family and my family, they saved us, uh, yep. you know, from, from you know, we, we were immigrants. Our great-grandparents or our grandparents were a country of immigrants. And my grandmother used to love to go to the Statue of Liberty and sing with her thick Polish accent, to sing the national anthem. If she ever saw a football player kneel for the national oh. anthem, she would have kicked him in the rear end. I bet she would have. <laughs> yeah. Now we got to get back to that moment. We got to start loving America a little bit more. Professor, it's always a joy to speak to you. You always bring so much wisdom. Thank you so much for your time today. Likewise. My pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hey, and to you as well, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got more remarkable guests just ahead. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. 
As AMAX membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody I get the pleasure to work with every day here at Just the News. Uh, He is truly a a subject expert on all things cancel culture, on uh, freedom of speech. We're truly one of the country's best reporters on this topic. Please join me in uh, in welcoming Greg Piper back to the show. Greg, great to have you on today. Thanks for having me again. You have a, a, just a, a jaw-dropping story. People have been coming to the site all day reading, and I just wanted to share it with our listeners. Uh, the headline is, Exonerated Professor Punished by University After Reverend Jesse Jackson Joins a Protest Against Him. Tell me a little bit about what was going on at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Yeah, so uh, this university got a lot of complaints from uh, students who claimed this professor, whose name is Jason Kilborn. He's a law professor. Uh, had uh, given an exam with a question that included some censored slurs on it. Uh, he mentioned slurs for uh, black people and women. This is a hypothetical uh, about employment discrimination. And these words that were not actually printed in the exam, but were, were kind of edited out, they had dashes to, to hide most of the words, uh, they, they claimed were, were offensive and inappropriate and harmful to, to I guess, my, minorities primarily, but also women. Right. Um, and uh, and this uh, this led to him um, being put on administrative leave. And uh, the uh, the school has kind of kind of been going going back and forth on whether he was really punished, whether he was uh, found guilty for this. There was another uh, there was another hubbub that came up where a student claimed he physically threatened them by making a joke about being homicidal. Uh, this actually didn't make it in the story, but uh, it's it's part of this kind of complicated several months of proceedings involving Jason Kilborn um, and students being upset that he has not been fired yet. 
Wow. Just an amazing story. So just using the word cockroach. Now, he has a very, he said he never used it uh, to be demeaning to minorities, right? That he was using it to talk about the, the type of uh, lawyers that prey on, you know, bad cases or, or right. Uh, and he had a settlement in place and they just, now it looks like they've overrun that settlement. Is that the way to look at this? Right. Uh, he, he had an agreement with them to uh, re- resolve these continuing investigations uh, that he would he would agree to have his classes recorded, uh, which he wanted anyway, so he could defend himself in case students brought any other claims. Right. And uh, and and that he would go to his dean uh, to deal with any any future allegations for if he had any discussions about racial sensitivity of students. The incident you're talking about was actually from uh, in, involving the word cockroaches was from even a year before that. Wow. Uh, where where uh, students students brought this up. This came up later in the investigation after the exam question. Uh, students claimed that he had called racial minorities cockroaches. Uh, this was a discussion, he says, uh, that is verified by a recording of that class uh, where he was talking about frivolous litigation and talking about uh, companies that may be calculating whether they want to settle with somebody rather than go to court and lose, at which point all the cockroaches come out uh, to presumably get their get their own settlements for frivolous litigation. Uh, so it, it's it's a very complicated story right now. The university is uh, a, a little loath to talk too much about it. There's an investigation report that was secret for, for a while. This came out in a FOIA request um, fairly recently that actually goes over the story of the, of the cockroaches and basically says because he mentioned cockroaches soon after talking about a, a case with a, with a racial minority plaintiff, that was enough to um, be problematic. Wow even though it wasn't the context in which he was using it in. When you step back, because you've now covered this free speech debate on campuses, what is going on uh, in the bigger movement here? It seems like at any moment, a student can take on a a professor or a movement can take on a professor and get real traction. Is this uh, the end of academic freedom? Are people starting to see this in a much more consequential light that professors are either going to have to follow one script there's not going to or there won't you know there won't be academic freedom anymore what do you think is the big picture going on here we we have quite a few surveys now by many different groups that show there is increasing self-censorship not only among students but among faculty uh, who realize the the shift of the balance of power is going toward probably their their least tolerant most easily triggered students yeah. who are often well organized who have uh, student organizations behind them their own faculty colleagues are often goading on administrators to take action against these professors who are who are rarely uh, what you consider typical typical conservatives. They're largely center left, some of them fairly progressive, but uh, they they say something that's out of step with uh, this very peculiar orthodoxy at, at their institution or in higher uh, higher education in general, and uh, and they find themselves subject to months of proceedings uh, with evidence withheld from them or details withheld from them. Uh, sometimes uh, re- reaching what they consider to be definitive agreements that the university then tries to get around, as is alleged uh, in, in this situation. Um, and uh, sometimes it goes to court. Sometimes they just end up leaving their institution. Um, but uh, you'll see even people with tenure deciding, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this all the time. And they just leave uh, traditional academia altogether because yeah. it's not worth it even with tenure. Yep, they're going to drive out of the process a lot of great minds who just don't want to deal with the constant harassment. I had uh, just a few minutes ago, we had on the show uh, Alan Dershowitz, and he said his gravest fear, he's 83 years old, 
and of course was an academic for a long time at Harvard Law School, one of their most celebrated for the longest time, that he fears that this country is looking at everything through the lens of race. It isn't just education, but every grievance we have, someone decides to bring it back to race and and that if we continue to go down this path, we're on a path of self-destruction. Are there any examples in the academic world where a university is saying, hey, Let's take a deep breath for a second. We're getting too wrapped up. We're getting too emotional. Any examples at all that someone who wants to see this maybe calm down or uh, step back and say any any proof that anyone's willing to take a, a shot at trying to slow down some of this emotional debate going on in campuses? I would not say so from any institutions that you've heard of. When you see, uh, let's say, university presidents push back or sometimes uh, the, the dean of an individual college within a university they will say we, we need to stay true to our core of protecting free speech, but we also need to balance that with, with the need to be a, a safe and welcoming environment for everyone. Yeah. So you, you, you always see this kind of combination of we, we believe in free speech here. We think we, we, we went too far in this situation by, uh, by getting that balance wrong, by not being accommodating enough to, to free speech to different viewpoints. But th- these are also our stated obligations here. Uh, to create a safe, safe and welcoming environment, and we will do better going forward to balance those two out. Yeah, you'll see very, very few people, probably most notably at the University of Chicago, their president uh, will will actually, in unequivocal terms, defend free speech as free speech, not not in balance with uh, other other values, but to say it is inappropriate for us to get involved uh, in these disputes. That it is a university's job to promote these uh, debates, not to stifle them. Wow. It's just amazing. I could imagine, you know, we were seeing in the media space people that felt like they were shunted out of the conversation and just building their own infrastructure. In the social media space, you've got Parler and Truth, um, the new YouTube uh, Rumble. Will there be a moment potentially on the horizon where academics say, you know what, we're going to form our own universities now. We're going to start all over, form our own universities because we want to create an environment where all views are welcomed. Could you imagine that happening? Is there any discussion in the academic world about maybe creating new new universities, new learning institutions that avoid this pitfall of got you censorship? There would have to be massive structural changes in how universities are actually recognized here, starting with accreditation. Yeah. There is one effort going on right now uh, in the very early stages uh, called the University of Texas, right. like a haven for the heterodox professors, uh, for students who want to learn without uh, being afraid they'll be canceled or their professors will be canceled. But, uh, but that, that process is, is very strict, is very hard to get around. It takes years. It takes uh, tens of millions of dollars, lots of fundraising. And uh, if, if you really want to look at who could, who could actually do something about this, you should look to Congress to look at how accreditation is done and to create alternative pathways for universities to be recognized. Yeah, that's a really smart take. Well, the first step in all of this is the antiseptic of sunlight. And every day, Greg, you do such a great job. Everyone here at Justin News is spoiled to have you with this great work. I mean, every day you have a case where you're highlighting the assaults on the First Amendment and and sort of this cancel culture and the extremism that it has moved into. And we're really, really lucky to have you here and, and really enjoy having you on the show every time you come on. So thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. We'll have you back on soon because I know you're going to have another good scoop on the horizon. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. We're getting close to Thanksgiving. We'll have a few thoughts about that in just a few minutes. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back. It is time to wrap things up for the day. Hey, we're going into Thanksgiving, but we got a full suite of shows for you. We're going to be very excited. Tomorrow, we've got Harriet Hageman, the woman, the Republican in Wyoming, who wants to unseat Liz Cheney. We're going to have that interview. And on Friday, we've got Jack Posibiak joining us. That's going to be a great interview. And on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, we have a special for you, my interview with Jim Banks and all of the Sentinels at the Heritage Action Group, the grassroots heart of the Heritage Empire. We're going to bring you inside what it's like to be in the grassroots organizing world. Grassroots were enormously energetic this year. We're going to bring you inside this whole week. Yeah, we may have a holiday, but we got something for you as you eat your cold turkey. We're really excited. Tomorrow, Harry Hageman. Thursday, Jim Banks and many of the great activists that are part of the Heritage Action Grassroots Network called the Sentinels. And Friday, Jack Pasibiak, the great journalist and now at Human Events. Really fun a week, to, fun end to the week, I should say, even though we got Thanksgiving here to celebrate with our families. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow. Don't miss it. Harry Hageman. Until then, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive 
member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.